Hey everyone, today's guest on Roast West Coast is Mateo Nunez of Thoughts and Process Coffee. In honor of this episode drop, he's offering you 15% off your first order on thoughtsandprocess.com with the promo code RWC. That is the capitalized letters RWC. Go to thoughtsandprocesscoffee.com, use the promo code RWC, capital letters, to get 15% off. Links in the show notes and on roastwestcoast.com. I'm Andrea, one of the hosts of the Voice of San Diego podcast. Every week, I get together with the other editors at Voice and explain the news that matters in San Diego. Elections, politics, law enforcement, big investigations, and some fun stuff. The great palm tree debate, ranked choice voting, bike lane mania. It's great journalism and a lot of fun. Every Friday, wherever you listen to podcasts. Again, that's Voice of San Diego. Hey, good morning, everyone. Welcome to Season 5, Episode 19 of the Roast West Coast Coffee Podcast. I'm Ryan Wolt, and this is the show where I bring you the stories of coffee professionals entrepreneurship, and coffee education. Today I'll be sharing a rolling conversation with you, featuring Mateo Nunez. He is the founder and head roaster of Thoughts and Process Coffee in Orange, California. Thoughts and Process is a micro-roaster that produces small batches of coffee each week. I know a lot of listeners of this podcast are aspiring coffee roasters or future cafe owners or coffee professionals, which is a really great compliment. And I'm excited that you're listening today because this is the show for you. Mateo isn't just running a coffee company. He also has a full-time job. And we talk a lot about how that balance works and why he spends his free time working on coffee instead of, say, day drinking a cocktail out of a giant reusable straw at a nearby beach. You may be asking yourself before we get started, what is the definition of a micro-roaster? And I'm here to tell you, it is exactly what you assume. It is a coffee roaster that purchases, roasts, and sells small amounts of coffee at a time. Often, micro-roasters are run out of home roasting facilities, but not always, and there is no agreed-upon definition of how much coffee needs to be roasted for a roaster to go from nano to micro to just small. Some definitions from days gone by list micro-roasters as any roaster producing less than 100,000 pounds of coffee annually. I don't know many people that would consider that huge swath of roasters as being the same. To get a better idea of how much coffee is roasting and what he is roasting, check out at Thoughts and Process Coffee on Instagram, and I'll link to his online shop in this episode's notes. Once again, this show is coming to you from the road. I'm still in the Midwest, visiting my in-laws this week in Madison, Wisconsin. Today is actually my father-in-law's 70th birthday, which we're celebrating in true Midwest fashion with cheese curds, brats on the grill, and cold beer. I got the morning started off just right with a cup of batch-brewed Rwanda from Colectivo Coffee on Monroe Street, just southwest of the capital area downtown. Thanks to the team there for the great service and the lovely cup of coffee. I'm glad I got there early because as I'm recording this from the basement, a thunderstorm is raging overhead. Wherever you are, 
you should have a full cup of coffee in your favorite coffee mug right now. Maybe one with a rooster on it or a funny saying, because it is time for this interview with Mateo Nunez of Thoughts and Process Coffee on the Roast West Coast Coffee Podcast. Welcome. Welcome to the Roast West Coast Coffee Podcast. I appreciate you taking some time out of your day to meet with me. No, I appreciate you taking your time to meet with me. I mean, I'm, uh, <laughs> I just started listening to you. Thanks to the Instagram post by uh, Goose Bear Coffee. I totally got me introduced to you and I just started with the backlog, man, and just started listening. Uh, I'm a mailman by day, so I listen to podcasts for my whole six hours a day straight. <laughs> so like, I'm caught up with like everyone. Yeah, that's awesome. Maybe you can get me connected with some sort of like mailman newsletter then, because I feel like that would be a good audience for me. Oh, for, yeah, for sure. We actually have uh, <laughs> a newsletter nationwide for USPS. It's kind of funny. Do you guys talk about like what you listen to? Because I would imagine that's kind of a big part of your day. If we're technically, we're not really supposed to be listening to anything uh, because we're not supposed to have anything covering our ears for safety. But I actually have a Bose neck speaker. So I have my ears open. So like if I hear it, I can hear a dog or someone trying to talk to me, like I can hear it because uh, technically even just an air, like an earpiece for like a Bluetooth, we're not supposed to have anything in our ears, like for safety reasons. But I mean, like I said, with the neck thing, I got that approved. So. Okay. I was <laughs> going to say, we can, we can cut that. We can cut that out. Oh yeah. 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 <laughs> well, before we get too far, if you wouldn't mind, uh, let us know your name, uh, what your company is and uh, what you consider your job title. Yeah, uh, well, my name is Mateo Nunez, and I'm the founder, operator of Thoughts and Process Coffee. And I'm, I'm a micro-roaster. Like, I roast about 60 pounds every two weeks, roughly. And I have been selling for the last two years. So I feel like my company itself that I started was basically, like, my friends telling me, like, hey, you know, you make pretty good drinks. Like, what else do you think you can do? So just, and especially with my wife, like she encourages me and supports me wholeheartedly with, with this. And she, it, it just is like a hobby that just kind of grew from just pe different people, family members, friends, just letting me know like, Hey man, you, you got something here, like try go for it. So I think I'm really like a small batch, like first gen, per, like coffee person. I was in coffee at Nordstrom uh, from 2003 to like 2011. I jumped around in the company, but I started from a barista and went up to a manager and then kind of stopped coffee for a little bit. And unfortunately, my mom passed. And I think in the way of my grieving was uh, I kind of latched on to coffee and kind of reestablished my love uh, for it. My mom wasn't really a big coffee drinker, but she did like her coffee with a whole lot of cream <laughs> and sugar. So... I just, after she passed, I just kind of, I just kind of going back into research mode and started discovering really cool shops around me and bought a home roaster and just started kind of going for it and just started roasting and then slowly building up to uh, what I'm doing today is production roasting. You mentioned your mother liked uh, a whole lot of cream and sugar in her coffee. Um, oh and yeah, it was, <laughs> I mean, my grandparents were the same way. Like that was my earliest memory was getting up on the weekends when I was with my grandpa and we would go to the yard sales, but just before that we'd go to Winchell's. He'd get his donut that he, that the girl knew because he was there every day at six o'clock in the morning, every day. 
and she already knew his coffee. He had the giant Winchell's like mug of like 48 ounces that you can buy and he'd fill it for like a quarter because he bought that promotion because he was there <laughs> for so much. So he'd go with this giant thing and they'd fill it up and they put his cream and sugar and I'd get a donut and a hot chocolate. And that's that was like my first like experience with coffee. It was just like, okay, that's their coffee. And then I got a little older. They asked me to try it, you know, the darkest, grossest instant coffee. <laughs> that is what they drink with cream and sugar. So I tried it, didn't really like it. And then when I started uh, working at Nordstrom as a barista, I mean, they, they tell you like, you don't have to like it, but you do have to taste it so you can know what's good and bad. So I had a lot of experience with that. And I really fell in love with like making drinks and like having that craft. And at the time, you know, that specialty coffee coming into existence, like a little bit more full stream and Nordstrom was trying to go that route um, with their coffee bar. Cause the Starbucks is in the mall as well. So we were always like, okay, ours are like smaller sort of farms and, you know, we're not going to rush the drinks because we want to take time to have quality ingredients. And I just learned from there to take time and really like try to do everything that you can to get that cup of coffee. Cause a cup of coffee for a lot of people is like a pick me up. So they need something that will refresh them and just like taste so good where it just gets your mind somewhere else. And it's like, okay, cool. Like whatever was happening earlier, I'm good. Let's keep, let's keep going. You know, let's go forward. Cause I mean, I think that's traditionally what coffee is. It's a ceremony. And it's to gather and to like reflect and have that time of peace, whether it's in the mornings or after church on Sundays or, you know, or even afternoons or late nights for like a cigar and whiskey cocktail or something, you know, like it's, it's always with somebody. And unfortunately I I have this passion for it now that it's all I talk about. Everyone's like, do you know anything else right now? I'm like, um, I think maybe like, it's just, I'm so just so learning and trying to look up uh, new techniques and what's coming out and just trying to keep up. Cause like I said, I'm a micro roaster. Like it's just me. I go out and do pop-ups by myself. Uh, I set everything up and just kind of give free samples and just have people try it. Cause I think what I'm aiming for is like my style of roasting is kind of more like, I like heavy bodied coffees that kind of give you that reminiscence of like that dark roast, but it's, I roast them really light as much as I can to bring out those lighter notes. So it's like, you get that nice mouthfeel and you still get these nice, like third wave, like coffee notes that you're like, Oh yeah, I do taste like grapefruit or I can taste like raisin versus, you know, like smoky. So I try to keep that balance. And I think, I mean, for myself being such a small batch and local that, you know, being a stepping stone into like introducing people to coffees and Starbucks is still blowing up with their new refined drinks, which is like the cold foam, which, you know, bubble tea makers have been going, doing it for years. So for them to like jump on that bad way and then announce the new thing, it's just like, there's, they're always going to be there. Like they're not going away anytime ever, no matter what happens. So it's like, just concentrate on being you know, small and craft, like just take the time for everything and be like, Hey guys, I know it's, it's a long line or, you know, there's a lot of people, but I'm making sure everything tastes right. Like to you and to what my standards are. Cause I want someone to take a drink and just be like, man, that's like, that's, that's, you know, that's really good. Like just, it just brings up those memories. Even if you don't think about it, like those unconscious memories where you just feel better about something like it just, it just helps you out in times that sometimes you don't know, especially with you know the pandemic and everything where everyone still kind of not really scared anymore but you know you still hear numbers and stuff like that so it's like kind of weird that everyone's it's normal that it's existing which is kind of interesting 
So I think everyone's is really focusing on those little moments where you just have to kind of grab onto something and just be like, you know what? I'm okay. We're okay. I'm doing the best I can. Let's keep on going. Like just you keep moving forward no matter what. Yeah. The, you mentioned a few things there that I want to kind of wrap around to you. And, but before I do, I wanted to ask, what was your, what was your mom's name? Betty. Betty. <laughs> she changed it herself. Yeah. Her name was actually Betty Jean. She was uh, born in Texas, but she moved out of Texas when she was little, but she'd always say I'm a Texan at heart. And I was like, mom, <laughs> you never lived there. Like you were a baby when they moved out. I mean, you grew up here in uh, Pico Rivera. It's like a suburb of uh, Los Angeles. She'd be like, no, no, Texas through and through, you know. <laughs> There's an alternative universe where you could have grown up in Texas. Oh, yeah. She told me she wanted to name me Dallas. Like that was going to be my name <laughs> was Dallas. And I was like, wow, okay. And I told her, I'm like, mom, that's either like I'd be in porn or, or a weatherman. Like that's it. Like that's <laughs> if you named me that like at that time. Because even Mateo, like growing up, everyone couldn't pronounce it right. So they, I was just like, you just call me Matt. That's no problem. But there was a Mateo on uh, soap opera that everyone like was in love with. I think he, he's the guy that was is married to Kelly Ripa. I think he was like the Mateo. So everyone knew like that name. So when I was little growing up, that's all I would hear. Like, oh, yeah, like the show. I'm like, yeah, it's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny because I grew up in a house that didn't have like a TV every day. But when I would visit my grandfather, we would to go. We'd go fishing. I'd spend a week with him in the summers, and in the morning he'd wake me up at like six o'clock, make me go out in the boat. Like we'd go fishing for a couple hours. We'd come in for breakfast, and then everything in the house would stop while he watched his stories, which is what yeah. we called his soaps, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. Like yep, from exactly. ten to noon, it was General Hospital. It was One Life mm-hmm. to Live. As the world turns, my grandfather, who just turned ninety nine. You know, it was 6'3", 220, kind of a, you know, big, big tough guy. guy. But every yeah. day, soaps, <laughs> you know, got to watch the stories. And then we'd go back out fishing after lunch. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, my mom was the same way. She she did babysitting for a while with she because she's a single parent uh, growing up. So she'd babysit kids. But, like, that was their nap time. And it had coincided to be her favorite story time. And that just that never changed. Like, she'd make sure to, when she was working later, to get afternoon shifts on certain days because she knew, like, a good episode was coming up. So she would have missed her stories. And then the DVRs came out and then we just recorded everything. So then she, you know, at that point, it's just like, I can watch it whenever. Well, that's really interesting. I I love that kind of little backstory. I did not know that Nordstrom's had a coffee program. Yeah. I mean, they still do. Yeah. They've had it. I mean, my first job in, was at Disneyland in 2001. And I know my mom started working at Nordstrom at that point and I quit Disneyland and she's like, hey, come work at Nordstrom. I'm like, I don't want to sell clothes. Like, I'm okay. Or jewelry. And she's like, no, no, there's like a, a cafe. And there's a, there's a coffee bar that I think I know the manager real well. So you'll just, he's hiring. You want the job? I was like, yeah, sure. That sounds kind of cool. And it was my you know sophomore year of college. And I got in, just met the manager, put an application in. Then they're like, all right, start Monday. <laughs> like, Here you go. And yeah, just kept going from there. So it's kind of weird because they were like a high-end specialty store, but they weren't in every single Nordstrom. Like they had one in Escondido. I think at the time, like that was the only one in San Diego that actually had an espresso bar. And it was like the experimental one at the one point where they would just put in like the newer coffee machines or the newer espresso machine or like 
we started doing uh, like French presses at every couple of once in a while to do like single origin because they were really starting to do that around 2003, 2004. Like they were going more like definitely noticing third wave was happening and was kind of like popping off because I think around that time, I think Portola and everyone started and Intelligentsia was coming around. Like I never heard of them because I was just at Nordstrom and it was just kind of like an insulated world. But every once in a while, they'd be like, check out this new promotion. You can make coffee by hand. Like it's slow and steady and better. Like that was the, always the message is like, we're fighting Starbucks because we're taking the time to make like better drinks and we're using better beans. Like they're not dark roast for everything. It's like, these are single origins that we'll get for like winter special or like a winter blend. I just bought some like about a year ago, like their Manhattan blend. And it's, it's okay. It was all right. Like for a blend. And I think it was kind of an older bag, but it was just a nice balanced, like medium to light dark blend with like heavier notes on more like wood and like molasses and like dark brown sugar. They actually partnered with like some local different roasters, like in Austin, where they actually offer like a third party roaster on their website, which I was like, well, that's kind of nuts. I've never saw that. Cause, and then they started carrying Espero now a couple, I think, uh, fellow, they have their kettles and their pour over stag X dripper. So it's kind of, yeah, it's kind of really <laughs> interesting. Nice now they're playing. Oh yeah. Cause I mean, I remember hearing about pour overs cause I went to a shop when I was younger and like more of the manager's uh, side and I was talking to my regional. I was like, Hey, how about like these pour overs? Like, it's just a kettle and like a cone. Like, why don't we start doing that? Like that's, that'll differentiate us. And they're like, no, no, no. Like, that's going to take too much time. We need to, you know, pump out drinks faster because we were trying to compete with Starbucks. So that's not going to happen. And then now like they do offer that, like you can get a pour over at certain locations, like in Irvine, uh, they have espresso weather where they do a pour over. I don't know if they still do now, but I was just like, okay, well now they're playing catch up to everyone else. Cause now we have all these nice, like steady state and like all the other places around here in San Diego, like they're everywhere. Like all these, and that's what I love too. That like, a lot of people just started roasting the last couple of years. And like doing their own thing and having people, I mean, it's kind of hard as a, you know, you're starting new with everyone else to like, try to get yourself out there and to be like, Hey, here, I'm here too, guys. Like try this. Like, and it's encouraging because everyone's different. And so far the community, like the people I've met are nice and they're happy and they're happy to support and lend like, like their feedback and just be honest. And like, especially reaching out to you, like, man, I, I mean, I just, just went for it. I was like, dude, he's, he's, I love his conversations. He's, he's got a really good attitude and he's and you're definitely like engaging and have some interesting questions too. And that's not just about that, but it's about the people too. And, and I'm sure your audience is growing and I heard like your newsletter. I mean, I'm going to try to check that out. I listen to it at the end of the door. I'm going to get to it. I'm going to get to it. Yeah. I appreciate that. The newsletter is great. Quick plug, but um, you can also get, it has the podcast in it. So for some people that aren't big podcast people, they can open their email and listen to it right there if they want. I, I'm thinking about you listening to the show and, and you know, you've been roasting for three years, been selling for two, if I remember that right. And if it wasn't yeah. clear to anyone at the top, you mentioned that you work in as a postal carrier. Yeah, I'm currently a postal carrier for the last uh, five years. Right. So how long were you thinking about getting started roasting for yourself as you're walking your beat before you said you, you took the plunge and then and then yeah. what did you do did you go did you just you know go on amazon and order a one pound roaster did you find a place to ro what, how did you get started 
I basically went because I'm in the city of Orange. So there's a Bodai Leaf on Catella and they're whole being green seller. They are home roaster supporter. They have events for local home roasters where you submit your best coffee and they judge it against everyone who submits. And I kept missing the window because <laughs> it's our busiest time of year when they usually have it of packages and stuff. So I was working 10 hour days. So I just never had a chance to submit it. And I just saw the be more. I was like, you know what? Um, all right, I, just, I have the money. I can do it. Let's try it out. So I started on Be More and watching YouTube videos and looking up resources. Like I try to buy as much as I can and just read and listen to videos. I mean, it's Prometheus. Like I met him at the roastery. I used to roast. I still kind of do, but I haven't done it in a while down there because it's gas prices. But the California uh, Roasting Collective, they're great guys. Like as soon as I felt that I needed to move up from a Be More and try to kind of make this as a go like something more than a hobby luckily at the time elliot i think i read a year before it opened that that's what he was planning to do so i got super excited i, I made a note in like gmail to alert me <laughs> like because he said approximately around those days they are open and then the time went by and it was open and i paid for the membership and started roasting on a mill city 500 gram just trying it out a couple of pounds, you know, every couple of weeks and then moved up to their SF six and kind of stay there for a while. And, uh, that's kind of where I was currently at. So it was, and Len and Elliot and all the guys that work there, they're great guys. I mean, they don't have to like share anything or tell you anything, but they're totally like open and be like, Hey, what do you think of this? Or, you know, any questions or anything? They're just totally just friendly and just like, yeah, dude. Yeah. Let me see. Like, Oh, I can see that. Or maybe like do this a little bit. Like it's just a great community. Those guys and they're a great group of guys. And I missed down there. I went down there for the Scott Rowe, uh, roasting class. So I got to see him again and talk to him, catch up. And, uh, it was real great. And met other roasters, like storyteller roasters, and a couple guys out of, um, I think that's what they're called, uh, out in Temple city. I got there and it was, it was a great class. Like I, <laughs> I, I kind of stumped Scott a little bit with a question I had <laughs> about my roasting technique that I did for a dark roast that I really liked. And like his just response was just like, I've been doing this for like 30 years and never have I heard anyone doing that. <laughs> and just loved it at that. Yeah. You got to share that now so we can ask it on one of our coffee smarter episodes. <laughs> see if we can stump someone else. Oh no. It was just like a roasting technique to kind of keep everything going. And he was just like, yeah, just never heard of, or he never thought like to do that. Cause I would basically to get it to dark roast, I get it to my temperature that I would dump it at, but I would leave it there. So I would just turn the gas off completely. Cause I would let it get uh, four or five degrees hotter and just let it sit there with no gas for f up to four and a half minutes. And that's my dark roast right now. I have with my Brazil and mm -hmm. it's fantastic. Like it's, not too smoky. It's got a nice like fragrancy of, of like a light tobacco and it just has a nice like aftertaste of vanilla. That was my technique. And I just asked him like, Hey, is that okay? Cause I know he usually likes to turn off the gas just before, you know, roasting. Like that's what every roaster does. Like right before you dump your beans to cool, you turn off all the gas all the way and then just dump it. And I just, that's not what I do. <laughs> I'm a little different, you know, like I, I know, it's like cooking. That's what I think the best advice I got from a, a roaster up in Portland. It was this cool little house. You walked in and it was just like, everything was original. It was all wood. He had drawings from his community. He had books and games and like just comfy old chairs, like velvet and like 
sofas and a piano and it was just like a little bar and he had a roaster right behind him and he's just been doing it for a long time and he was just like best advice i can give you is learn to make caramel once you know how to make caramel you can roast coffee because that's basically the same understanding of like when to kind of control your gas and you know obviously i think new people would be like all right let me turn it up okay let me turn it down let me turn it up like you've really taken it too literal because <laughs> that's not you don't do that at all <laughs> i mean i think everyone's gonna make that mistake when they first try to roast with a gas roaster i'm pretty sure everyone's done that at least once or twice and then it's like wait that's not good <laughs> it just kills everything well i actually drank your uh, brazil espirito santo dark roast this morning oh nice it was the last of the samples that of yours that i had I just hadn't gotten to, and I tried it this morning and I made it. And then I went back and I had just a, just enough to make like a half a cup of the, yeah. the non-dark version. And I actually preferred the dark version of this. And that wouldn't be something I would lean to normally. Oh, for so sure. That's a credit to the dark roast, uh, whatever it is that you're doing. I really enjoyed that. I want to ask you about thoughts and process, which is the name of your company. And you got kind of a cool robot logo-y design, uh, which I, that's probably the reason like I connected with you on social media even was because I saw oh, that. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, that's a cool design. Oh, thanks, man. Uh, what does thoughts and process mean? Like, how does that relate to your company? What does it mean to you? And where did you kind of come up with this design and brand for what you're doing? <laughs> uh, well, it's kind of funny. I mean, I actually had the name. It was a like a live journal I had in the early 2000s. That's what I named, like, because I was an English major in college and I would do short stories and poems and a bunch of stuff. And I wanted to start a live journal of just random snippets of just interesting things to write down, like as a writing exercise, like just whatever was in my thought at that moment, just write it, whether it turned out to be a story or like a four letter poem or a haiku or just like a quote or anything like that. And I was like leaning toward like the one I kept liking was like paper eating trees. Like, I really like that name. So I had that for the first time. And then I really, I thought about it. I was like, well, everything's a process no matter what you do. And everything requires thought. I was like thoughts and process. I'm like, I think that's a better name for like what I'm trying to convey with these stories and random things. Cause I've had like, I've unwritten novels that are a story, at least a couple of them that I really want to sit down and write, but it just, never have the time or just like the time I do have it. I'm like, Oh, actually I should be doing this and doing this. And it's just, unfortunately just, I've never finished it. And that's like, it's, it's dumb. Like I'm trying to get to it, but it's like, I, I think I have a little ADHD where it's like, okay, I have this new thing to focus on and I have this other thing to do and some things get lost in the shuffle. And, but I mean, just that general, like just everything is a process, like grieving and being happy and celebrating and, just living life is a process. Everything has a cycle and everything goes from up to down no matter what. But like even before the pandemic, like I I just thought like everyone needs to take a little bit of time to kind of think about stuff. Cause I mean, I usually, like I said, I'm listening to a podcast, so I'm not really processing my own feelings sometimes with things and just keeping everything busy to kind of go. But like, I do take those times in certain moments or, you know, memories of my mom will hit me every once in a while and I'll miss her. And to be okay with that and to process that, that moment and to keep on going, because that's all she ever wanted to do was just get another moment of life and to just keep living and seeing her loved ones and doing what she loved to do and talking to her sister that she loved very much and her mom. And like, to me, it just felt 
describe like what I wanted to do with my coffee. Like I would love it to be like the next big thing at some point and grow this business in the next five, 10 years to like a steady state level or, you know, or an Onyx level or anything like that. Like that would, that's cool. Like, I think that would be successful, but I also consider being successful, like selling a bag a day or <laughs> like selling, like I had a pop-up on Sunday. I sold eight drinks and six bags of coffee. And I was like, that's a great success. Like, that's cool. Like I was worth me being out there for four hours on a Sunday in the middle of my day. Like <laughs> I enjoyed it and nice people take a chance. Mostly everyone had came in with Starbucks or they had, um, like some fruit drinks, some smoothies, and it's a hot day. So, you know, those get sold first. <laughs> you want a refreshing horchata or like a, a, you know, spicy watermelon lime juice or something, you know, up here in, you know, Northern. I mean, I'm sure your weather down there is like, just always doesn't go below or above 70 sometimes, right? Like it's just nice. Oh, it's been, it's been rough all month. You know, really? we're, we're uh, May, gray, June gloom. You know, we're hovering around 65. It's nuts. Oh man, that's he, he says, and everyone around the country goes. Oh, wait, keep right. It, you know, <laughs> shut, shut your mouth. Yeah, actually, we've well. had a, a, an unusually cool spring, cooler than normal. But you're right. Yeah, like there's never a day that I can't go outside. I mean, for the yeah. most part, if I want to, exactly. And yeah, I mean, I live outside. <laughs> yeah, even walking the dog at like nine o'clock at night, and I might throw on my puffy coat, but I'm also wearing shorts and flip flops. So exactly, I, yep, know. that's that is the California uniform: flip flops and shorts. Yeah, I've gotten used to it. You know, I grew up in the cold. That's interesting. Where where in the cold? Up, uh, where you I from? grew up in Wisconsin. Oh, and nice. So, my buddy's from there. Very cold. I grew up in central Wisconsin and I remember winters being much worse than they have been, you know, kind of that whole, like things were always colder, but also now, you know, I just have learned to adjust, you know, you learn to adapt. And the first year we moved to California, you know, we're out in shorts and t-shirts year round and swim trunks. And, oh yeah. you know, the second year you're wearing a hoodie and the third year you got a stocking cap. And, you know, now I'm, I'm wearing you know, gloves and my wife's got a heating pad in the bed at, you know, at night and it's 55, yeah. 60 degrees out. So, yeah, uh, no, so you adapt. I mean, We've been here I, almost 10 years now. Yeah, no, I've, I've been here all my life. I was born and raised here. I was born at, my dad was in the Navy. So I was born in the San Diego Naval Hospital when it was pink. Uh, my dad would always tell me that you were born in a pink hospital, boy. I'm sorry, but it's just, it's the Navy. That's just what it was. I was like, all right. Uh, but you and, didn't move around then as a military child. No, he, he, his end of the term, cause he was in the Navy and he worked on, he worked on computers. Actually, he was a network technician. He would build uh, mainframes and he learned to do that. And he left, I think his term, his like contract was how he had a year left when I was born. So we were only down there for a year and then he got out and I think he got a job with like FedEx because they started doing the tracking in like the late eighties. Cause he, I remember just always being around computers and technology. And, and for me, it was normal. Like my dad had a garage and instead of wood tools and carpentry and like gardens, like gardening supplies and stuff, it was um, soldering irons and boards and wires and alligator clips and uh, wire strippers like everywhere. And he had a workbench that his dad built because my grandpa was a, a carpenter. He didn't have an education. Um, so he was a janitor at the local high school for 40 plus years but he was a carpenter by trade he learned how to do it when he was younger he's just he always did it so like everything in my grandparents house was wood built by him and he i remember he built 
a tool shed in the backyard. Like he poured his cement and he built the frame. And like, I remember helping him when I was little, like handing him nails while he was up there with my uncle and they were just build everything. And I always thought that was cool. And like, I always wanted to do it, but I just, I just didn't have the, I guess I just couldn't see it. Like I just, I could see what I wanted to do, but I just couldn't physically do it. And I, I try to learn, but the idea of like just crafting something has always been like with me since I was so little, cause I was experienced to it. Like you don't have to go to big stores or big names to get stuff. Like sometimes the guy around the corner who sells tamales out of his van, <laughs> like those are the best tamales you'll ever get cause they're homemade and they get the good stuff. Like that's was filled with uh, like they used real Crisco, like lard, like in their food. That's why everything tasted better in the eighties and the nineties, like everything was lard based. So it was delicious. And that was like better than going to like a $40, you know, dinner at um, like wherever, like a big chain. And like, I, I've always collected things and like, I had just random, always little things of like, small amounts and small limited quantities like i always liked collecting like comic i collected comic books for a long time and cards and pogs and just the idea of that like these ones were handmade by somebody like was always like just like that's really cool like i wish we as a country kind of went back to that because we lost that because i mean that's why everything in your grandparents house or now great grandparents because i think our generation or my i mean I'm, I just turned 39 this year. So I was born in the eighties and I remember growing up, I'm like, yeah, I'm an eighties kid. But I'm like, no, I wasn't. I grew up in the nineties. Like I should really be saying that like everyone else, like everyone like liked the decade that was before they were born. Cause it was like the coolest thing. So you were born in that decade. I think that was the fad to like, yeah, I'm an eighties kid. Cause that's when I was born. And then the millennials turned up and I was like, am I one? I'm like, yeah, I am. I'm like the last year of being a millennial. So technically I'm that. <laughs> I think there's a term for people that grew up kind of between 79 and 82. I, I fall into that bracket as well, yeah. where we weren't really part of that generation before. We're not really part of the generation after because we had a childhood before the internet, but we yeah. were there young enough to be the first adopters as well. Oh, yeah. And to see it. Yeah. I mean, my dad had AOL. And before that, it was Navigator Netscape. And I remember him always like going online and showing me. Like, I learned to type when I was five years old because my dad would buy these video games that were like math blaster and you would have to do the math problem and then enter it on the computer on the keyboard and like typing one where you would just type as fast as you could and how accurate you could like he made that into a game or something and i just learned to type so when like computers like in high school was like a class i was like all right i'll take it and it's like okay guys this is the power button (laughs) that turns it on (laughs) and i'm like I could build that for you. Like these are crappy computers. Like, what are you guys doing? Like these are floppy disks still. Like you should be, should be on a mini disk right now. Cause my dad always had the newest stuff. Cause he was in doing mainframes and technology. So he's always building and had leftover parts that they were going to toss. So he'd like take them home and like fix them and repair them to me being in that age of, yeah, we saw that early adoption, but I kind of had more of a head start just cause my dad was in that field already, which is kind of nuts. Cause even now people my age, they're like, like my supervisor is like four years older than me. And he's like, I just see him type. And he's literally like with one finger, just like, A, B. Well, I can shout out my dad, (laughs) who I think has been listening to the show. Hi, dad. Because he was both ahead of the game. He had a, I remember we had a Apple computer that when I was a kid, 
I had a floppy disk Sesame Street game that I would nice. learn how to like build layer cake and like learn yeah, spelling yeah. and all that stuff. And this is early eighties too. Yeah. You know, now today in twenty twenty two, he still has an AOL account. So he's kind of oh. been on both ends of that spectrum. <laughs> <laughs> he's hanging on, man. He's he's an OG. Can't you can't let that go. I I have mine too. I think somewhere. I don't remember the password. I have two and I'm really embarrassed by them because I was like, I was like eight years old for the first one. And I got into magic. I was a magician for like in, since 10 years old. That was my screen name. It was like the great Merlin, like GGR. <laughs> and I was like, that's the coolest thing ever. And i look back and screen like, names were important. Oh yeah. Everything was so, that was it. That was Twitter, Facebook. Like I was all before that. I mean, my, I remember when MySpace was the big thing and Friendster like I remember being in college and they're just like, dude, check this out. This is super cool. I'm like, what are you guys even talking about? And then you have your sparkly <laughs> song that would play automatically. That's why everything would take 30 years to load because you had all the animations and GIFs and really bad everything. Yeah, <laughs> but MySpace, uh, we all owe a debt of gratitude to MySpace because it taught an entire generation some very basic coding concepts. Oh, yeah. HTML. Everyone like, yeah, like my wife remembered because she used to to make her own stuff too and she's like i know all the color codes like i still remember them <laughs> i'm like yeah i remember you had to know that you mentioned earlier that you had done a pop-up recently and mm -hmm. as a small micro roaster who you know kind of got started about let's say i'm giving guessing here a little bit but about a year before the pandemic yeah the pandemic could have really just shut you down right like you hit a wall there as oh, far as growth sure. and as far as getting your name out there, as far as interacting with the coffee community, how did you kind of navigate that? And did it motivate you or inspire you to do more or did it actually give you time to kind of maybe focus on what you were doing? You know, how did you handle that scenario? Um, for me, cause I think getting started around that time, it only affected me with like shipping times and stuff like my green coffee that would come in. Other than that, because luckily, uh, just with the kind of the day job, just I would just kind of do my routes. And sometimes the, people would be outside and they ask me questions and stuff. And just before, like, I kind of leave and be like, hey, by the way, you know, I roast coffee and I'm local in the area. Like, here's, I have a card or check out this website. And I kind of probably shouldn't be doing that <laughs> like, as a mailman. <laughs> but just, I would just be conversation, like, or just be like, hey, by the way, I roast coffee. You guys ever need any? Even now, like uh, days off, I have a couple of customers that will buy a bag. So I'll drop off on my days off. Or if I do the route, like I can do a local like deliveries and I make sure to set that up because even with the pandemic, it helped me out only because more people were like, everything was running out of stuff. And I think people were like, well, you're local. Well, that's cool. I'm going to support local because that's when everything was starting to come coalesce. Like after, you know, really 2021 is when pop-ups like local pop-ups i'm talking about like people just literally getting together and being like hey i started doing uh sourdough bread making actually i have a bunch of loaves like you want to buy some like and i know these two kids because my first pop-up was actually at my cousin's house in her front yard in uptown whittier where she has this big just like open area and she started selling scentsy <laughs> like i think a lot of people it's like kind of the newer tupperware situation where you sell these cool wax holders and there's like i have a i have a baby yoda one and r2d2 and like there's a there's disney themes and sports themes but she started selling she's like became one of the head sales and she started doing these nights she's like hey why don't you make coffee for people 
like charge them a couple of bucks per drink and just come on over when I have these parties, they'll come and pick up because it's COVID safe. And if they want to drink, you're there and you know, you can give them a cup of coffee and sell them a cup of coffee. I was like, all right. And then she started inviting a couple other friends that were local that did like, like handmade yarn, like uh, soap scrubbers and like dolls and wood. And people got into like wood carving and cutting and making signs and reupholstering chairs and stuff. Like a lot of local people in Uptown Whittier started doing stuff for their own because pandemic, like people are waiting three and a half months for a service call for, you know, something. Everything just kind of shut down. So Well, and they're also at home because they're not going out anymore, especially that exactly. first year. I know people oh, yeah. are going out now, but for that first year, even people who weren't as concerned about COVID, there still really wasn't anywhere for them to go. No. Yeah, exactly. And my family, I'm the same way with my wife. Like we have um, her, her older parents, like we have been careful for the last few years and we never got sick never we got vaccinated as soon as we could we had our turn and stuff and just always wear a mask and i always wear a mask indoors while i'm at my office and when i'm by myself i take it off and if i interact with people i put it back on like there's a lot of studies where they say masks don't work or anything else i'm like i don't know i just know that since i started wearing it all the time just in general like i haven't gotten sick like a normal flu like i haven't been sick in two years and that's actually really kind of kind of nice like, I'm like, well, you know, maybe it helps something. It definitely blocks something because we never got sick, like, period, knock on wood. Like, like taking vitamins and I think everyone got into better health and working out and just trying to do that stuff that you can't go out and do anymore. So everyone's just kind of more at home. And I think my cousin doing his little pop-ups for her people, like, helped me and got more local people in Whittier and around the surrounding areas because they would drive from all over the area, like, 20 minutes away to come pick up their stuff for Sensi. So just doing that and then started kind of going popping around. Like there, a couple of people started doing it as a business where they're just like, um, there's a uptown Whittier market at the local high school where I think they rent the parking lot for a weekend. And this guy's like, Hey, you guys pay us like 40 bucks a spot. And then you're, we're going to be here all day. I'll promote you on social media. I'll make sure to tag you tag me. Like I have a following of a thousand people. So we should be getting a lot of people here for you guys to sell your stuff. So I was doing a couple of those and that's pretty much kind of where I'm at right now. Cause I work Monday through Saturday, seven 30 to basically seven o'clock at night, just cause my office is short staffed. So everyone's mandated overtime. So I work 10 hours a day pretty much almost all the time. So when I get home, it's kind of hard to keep going, but I mean, I come home and make sure to roast. I roast on Sundays. I found a new place up here cause uh, just gas is getting real bad and I wasn't roasting as much. So like, for me, I want to, I've always, like I said, enjoyed making drinks for people in a cafe would be awesome. But like just seeing how the pandemic, it hurt a lot of people and a lot of people had to shut down because of the brick and mortars and the situation and the relief. I think now starting something would be easier, but everything's so expensive because of it. So I always thought of the idea of like a trailer and then I saw how popular and like a lot of people do those trailers now. So then I'm constantly rethinking like, well, my like the house we live at is zoned for construct, like a business. It's a business zone. So technically if I build a trailer and put it out front on our yard and call it a coffee stop, <laughs> I can do that because it's zoned for commercial. So I just have to build it. So I'm like, well, maybe, I, or just buy a shed from Home Depot and then just put a window and put coffee because I have a big sign that I have. So I can put that outside in the, and wake up six o'clock, five o'clock in the morning, work till seven, go deliver mail, come back home, maybe be open or Sundays all day. Like who knows? Like I, I have all these different ideas and I, 
with technology and like everything else, like people are changing, like they're doing coffee stations out of the back of their vans. Like they have that set up now where you just drive a van around and like, not even the sprinter vans, like just the Astro van, like just like, a, or a Fiat. I've been seeing things like in Europe that they've been doing and, or, you know, the containers are really popular right now because they were cheap, but I think now they're, they got a little bit more expensive because they were catching on like, oh, people are using these for kitchens <laughs> and now they're food parks and we can sell these for a lot more. Cause I remember when I first heard of the idea, of like buying one they weren't that expensive they were like 800 bucks for like a three by three like now they're thousands of dollars because and they'll do it for you they're like we'll we'll prep it for you if you wanted a kitchen like we'll do that and it's going to cost you this much more but it'll be you know california safe and everything will be good all you got to do is add your equipment and it's like 100 grand <laughs> so it's like and that's not even yeah, buying the coffee different. machines i found this guy on instagram his name is coffee conspiracies and he started a nitro coffee bike up in Santa Cruz and he was just, he used to be in coffee and then pandemic and fortunately it got laid off and he's went all in with his coffee because he was already in there and he's a great guy. And uh, his name's Eddie and he was brewing cold brew. He was finding micro roasters like me and he took a chance. I kind of saw him. He reached out on Instagram ad because I clicked those all day. <laughs> so they, he got recommended. So I was like, oh, let me check him out. I'm like, that's cool. And him doing like micro roasters from all over the place. Like he's mainly out of Santa Cruz. So he'd get stuff from San Francisco and Santa, like other Santa Cruz or Wisconsin or like Idaho. Like he'd really find really small, like just starting guys and promote them on his bike for the weekend. And I, he bought some coffee for me and, it, and he sold out and it was a great hit. And then he transitioned to, to being a roaster, which I mean, it's, he's doing great. And then he's switching up from a nitro bike to a coffee cart. So he's kind of moving up in that, in that direction and he uses a ground control. So like he threw his cold brew into that now. So like, I haven't had a chance to try it, but I, he has really good reviews and it's just like an idea of like, dude, that's very similar that I, I had in mind. I just, I have, I have to work full time. So it's harder to kind of get that going and promote. And like my Instagram's okay. Like I have to really redo it and <laughs> get a little nicer and try to put more time and effort. But like, sometimes I'm like, I just made this drink and it came out good right now. Let's just post it like, or I'm making this right now. Like it's always, I gotta have to try to plan it, but. Sure. But you are, you're also working and this is something you do on the side. You know, we're kind of talking a little bit about down the road, down the road and, and what, what's up next. Realistically, this seems to be something that you're passionate about. I mean, you said maybe five, 10 years, it grows and grows and grows. Is that something you really see for yourself? This would be this would be the thing that I do, and then my job is the thing that I do on the side. Yeah, because pe- I mean, you know, I I always have more than one thing going on, but it's mostly because uh, I can't be alone with my thoughts, so I always have to be, <laughs> I always have to yeah, be working on be something all the time yeah. uh, and stay busy. Um, I, I would like it to be like I really enjoy it. It's just something I've unfortunately it's just an obsession now like it's just think eat drink (laughs) sleep coffee and i have to like remember to not do that and step away and be like okay there's life too like let's see what's going on in the news or like what's talk to talk to your family maybe like that might be a good thing to do (laughs) because it's just like working i'll have a five minute conversation sometimes and then be like all right i gotta now i gotta place and fix these orders or i gotta prep the cold brew for the event and so it kind of takes away from the time so it's like i had to remember that even though like i'm trying to make this passion that there's there's more there's always more to everything 
you know, again, taking the time for everything has a process and take those thoughts and to really like reflect and, and to remember sometimes everyone gets wrapped up in the, your, your normal routines that you get sometimes. And you, it's on, you're on autopilot sometimes, you know, you're just kind of going through and you're making sure everything gets done to the level of proficiency that it needs to be. But when you get home, it's just like, especially with the pandemic, it just feels like everything is just like heavy. So it's like the time you want to get up and do stuff. It's like, you know, you just need five minutes to take a nap and just kind of like get yourself gathered and then get up and keep going and do everything. And so it's like also kind of hard because uh, like having like some of my friends were the same thing. It's like, that's all you kind of talk about too. <laughs> like, yeah. And then if, if not, it's not that like I kind of thoughts are wondering about a, something else or a process or what I can do to make this taste better or like, Hey, that's a cool tea drink. Maybe ask them where they got that tea. Like, unfortunately, like I kind of don't have that, uh, I guess that nervousness to just go up to someone and be like, Hey, that's real. You have like a cool shirt. Where'd you get it? Like, sometimes I'll just do that randomly and just be like, Hey, that's, that's a cool, whatever. Like, where'd you get that from? Or yeah, good shoes, man. Like, my mom was the same way. She did it all the time. And I think I, after her passing, I kind of took on some more of her social <laughs> mannerisms a little bit more because I was raised by my mom, but like my mom, my parents were divorced, but my, my dad would always tell me like, you look just like me. I can't deny you. Your brother, maybe, but you, I can't deny. <laughs> and my mom would say the same thing. She's like, you just look too much like him. Like you look identical. And, and for, like, I do like I, all the pictures prove it. Like, but my dad would always tell me like, you, you act just like your mom. Like you're your mom's son. And I was like, okay. Like, I didn't know what that meant, but I mean, I'm just, unfortunately I'm a little weird, but I think a friend, like when you just look at me normally, it's like, oh no, he just seems like a guy, like whatever. And then I'll start getting excited about something and just like, okay, you gotta slow down. You're rambling. You're overloading people. Like you're just excited. Like you gotta relax. I would say fortunate, fortunately you're a little weird. That would be my oh. <laughs> uh, perspective. There you go. You know, like yeah, being I mean, weird I mean, is a badge of honor, you know, oh, and being passionate yeah. too. So what do you think about your coffee that you're making today compared to the coffee you were making at the start on the Be More? Uh, it's definitely more consistent and it, it definitely tastes better. The Be More is a good little starter, but because you can't really, con you don't know a true temperature unless you like mod it and then put your own bean temperature probe in it to get a more accurate. Because all you can control is like, at the speed of the fan and i usually had it on full blast because on full blast it still is not doesn't keep it really moving that long and a roast like a one pound roast i would do would take like 25 minutes because you'd have to wait for it to warm up to a certain temp but then there's safety measurements if you got just two degrees above that safety recall you would shut down and then it would cool all the way down you had to wait 15 minutes for it to cool down and to like start it up again and kind of watch it while it warmed and be more accurate it was still good coffee because I would, I sent it off to a couple of friends. I actually listened to an, uh, another podcast called the Coffee Lovers Podcast. They're out in Seattle, Jesse from Conduit Coffee. They've been doing it for years and I started listening to them. And I'm like, hey guys, I just reached out. I was like, hey, can I send you, I'm a, I'm a brand new home roaster. You know, can I send you some of my coffee? Just tell me your thoughts. And they did and kind of helped me out a little bit because up there, Jesse, he, they like more of a medium to medium dark roast up uh, in Seattle, I think. That's more of their tens, like trending. And Jesse does a great roast. He has like a really good blends and I've had some beans from him. They're, they're really nice. It's very different from, I think down here, like the style that everyone's leaning to. I think this is California, you know, avocado toast and people like their natural processed coffees and Ethiopians. I think now everyone's who's been into it 
that's just like the standard. That's what you get when you walk into a coffee shop. Like you go in, you look at their origins and you're like, okay, they got six on tap. Let's see what I want. Do I want the Peru, the Belize, the, you know, the natural Ethiopian or the washed Ethiopian or this anaerobic Colombia? Like the people who've been doing this already know. And now I think that kind of grade of coffee being so much more available and little roasters like me or even cafes or even other people that are now rotating and doing like several different local coffees or East coast coffees like around here. I think more people are willing to take the chance to drink black coffee. And that's kind of like, whenever I sell a bag, I always ask them like, okay, like just, I want to know, how do you drink your coffee? Like cream and sugar? Or do you like, or do you do the creamers that are already pre-mixed with everything? Or do you drink it black and iced or hot? Like, what do you use? Like I usually try to strike up a conversation like just in general, just so that way, because when people look at my bags and stuff and they're reading the titles and they're seeing what it is, sometimes it's, it doesn't click too much because what they know and what they're used to drinking. I mean, now more people like Starbucks has all their little light blends that are still dark. <laughs> as much as they want to say light, it's still dark roasted coffee. Like I think more people I definitely are trying everything I think that trend of it being the new standard, at least like almost everywhere that's people are discovering it's bringing it all back to like what it is. And it's a, it's a tree, it's a fruit. It's, it's something that someone tilled their life with. And because that's how they have to live to pay for where they're at. Like, that's just what they do. They're farmers and they're, they're trying to catch up with modern times because it's hard. I mean, even us, you know, thinking about what we pay for and how much gas is now like $8 almost a gallon. Like they're working hard every day, sun up, sun down to produce something that's a luxury to everyone else. I'm happy to support, like try to get farmers and more like that and get smaller batch coffee from them. And, and, you know, I can't afford to pay the eight to $12 a pound, but I mean, I, I try to do as much as I can. And I try to make sure that the places I buy from definitely they make sure to meet all the standards that everything's a fair wage. You know, what I learned one time was that like the organic branding is, is, is that like, you have to pay for that to have that on a bag. And it's like, okay, well, if you do your research, I don't think you need it on the bag. Uh, unless you, unless you know about, uh, what is it? Atomo coffee who are making it up in San Francisco, like molecule by molecule. Like that's not real coffee, but that's really the only thing that I would say is like not organic. And even then, I think there's still something that is organic, a part of it. I, I've signed up for their newsletter, so I've been waiting for a chance to buy their coffee. I think the first batch like sold out real quick, and I was like so bummed because I was at work. It's like a reminder, got to buy this coffee to try it out. I mean, it's me. It's how cool is that? It's science. Like they just made it. The organic thing is an interesting conversation. We get a farm box, a CSA at our house, and it's not the farm that we buy it from isn't officially organic. But when I talk to the farmer who comes to our local markets and we talk about, you know, how he does it, because we would prefer to have an organic food, he just kind of yeah. laughs. He's like, well, it's organic because we can't afford the, <laughs> the pesticides that you would need for it not to be. <laughs> exactly. You know, we've, we've been growing it the same way for 40 years. Like, this is what we do. And, you know, having those yeah. conversations and, and taking that extra step. And not everyone has the time or the privilege of the time to do that. You know, they're... Yeah you know, work in their jobs or they're, they're, you know, they're surviving in a different way. But when you do have that opportunity by doing that, it is beneficial to you and also beneficial to the end, you know, the end farmer. I want to make sure that I ask you if there's anything that I didn't ask you about today. 
<laughs> I think we kind of just jumped all over the place. Really. Yeah, we really covered a lot. <laughs> I'll be honest. Ever since you said Winchell's, I've been craving a donut. So I, I know what oh, I'm going to do yeah, with the rest I of my I day. Have said it. If you ever come up here, uh, there's a place in San Clemente. Or no, no. Uh, San Juan Capistrano. Uh, JD Flannel Donuts. They're the best donut I've ever had around here. He makes them out of uh, croissant dough. He makes croissant dough donuts. Like it's not a cronut. It's a donut. It is a donut, but he uses croissant dough for everything. He's got this uh, smoking, sm- smoked apple fritter that's delicious and has that smoke. It does. It has smoke in it. It tastes like a smoky apple pie. Like it's delicious. And he had like a brown sugar and sea salt. Like those. Like it's they're expensive, but you know he's craft, and I'm happy to support any chance I get because it's so good. I mean, it's just like Winchell's. Like this is a classic. Like. I grew up with it too. So everyone's around like, okay, there's still one around down the street for me. So I'll go and try to get a box for the family and stuff on Sundays. I mean, we didn't have Winchell's where I grew up, but I, I watched uh, this great documentary called the donut King, uh, where they kind of told oh, the story yeah. of Winchell's. Uh, it's worth it to watch if anyone's listening, when you are going out, when you are out in the world and you're buying a cup of coffee somewhere else, what mm. are you ordering for yourself? <laughs> everything i usually stick with a shot of espresso an iced americano and their cold brew almost every oh, time yeah just those three I'll, things I'll, i usually buy though just those three things for myself not including anyone else that's with me <laughs> i usually try to order that or at least an iced americano and then like a drip like just i always want to see what other people are doing as like okay this is our base Cause I think that's where everything starts. Like you, you have to have a good base. And if you have a good base, no matter what you add to it, it's going to taste good. Just newer drinks, newer fads, the orange juice and espresso, or, you know, the Arachino or like anything like that. As long as you have a good solid base coffee, no matter what you do to it, it's still going to be good. Unless you just <laughs> ruin it somehow, which is, I think just tons and tons of something. And you, then all you taste is the something instead of coffee. But I mean, I know everyone's different. Everyone likes their coffee a certain way. And I try to be as open as I can to everybody because I'm not going to ever. I remember those days when it was like, you can't say it like this. It's this. And you had their barista, unfortunately, had that attitude. It was like, yes, this is great, but you got to say it right. And if you don't say it right, then I'm just going to hear and give you that stare of like, (laughs) come on. Like, I remember those days. I I don't think I've ever done that. But I mean, I remember those days. So I think that's just again, passionate about what I do is like, I try to make it as if I enjoy it, I have a pretty high standard for things. And if I enjoy it, uh, it's gotta be good for everyone else, I think. And so far (laughs) I've only had one person tell me they didn't like a a coffee and it's only because they like a darker roast. Other than that, they're like, it's pretty good, but I prefer a darker roast. And I'm like, okay, that's no problem, man. (laughs) Just happy to hear you enjoyed it. (laughs) Yeah. The best coffee uh, is the coffee that you like, you know, like your, like your grandparents and and your mom did where they added a lot of cream and sugar, you know, cream and sugar is just turns. It's kind of like ice cream, you know, it's. Oh, for sure. Brings out all the sweetness in that coffee. And if that's what gets you started down that coffee path, then that's, that's all good. So Mateo, thank you for spending an hour with me and, and telling me about your story and, and how you got to where you're at now. I feel like we could probably have another chat another year from now and we'll have a whole nother hour to talk about. Oh, for sure. Yeah. We can probably just throw that on the calendar now. Uh, but All I really right. appreciate, uh, I appreciate how passionate you are about what you're doing. And as a micro roaster, I also, I understand what it's like to 
to be working and have a job and then have this thing that is the thing that keeps you going when you're doing your job and uh, nothing against your job. I'm sure it's great, but I I appreciate that and the effort that it takes to follow through. So congratulations. And, and I, I still got a little bit of your coffee left to enjoy this week. Awesome. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. (laughs) It was great talking to you too, man. Okay. To recap, Winchell's Donuts has been in business since 1948. That is 73 years of donut and coffee operations. The home of the Warm and Fresh Donut claims to be the largest chain on the West Coast, with about 170 locations. I should add that they offer a 14 donut baker's dozen in the box, so an extra donut that doesn't need to make it home. There are still Nordstrom's cafes, which they now call e-bars. There isn't a clear list of which shops have them and which don't, but Las Vegas, New York City, along with California's San Jose, Glendale, and Roseville, list menus online. Mateo was in the coffee industry at Nordstrom's, left, and was then inspired to return after the passing of his mother. He's in an interesting position where he can access the coffee industry and get advice from the coffee community faster and easier than ever, but also... Starting a small coffee roasting operation is a trending passion for a lot of people, making the side hustle more of a challenge. And that may be true for you too. For those of you, Matteo included, who have been roasting coffee and looking toward a future where coffee is your career, I definitely wish you luck on your journey. And I hope this show has helped clarify your goals, or taught you something, or shared an entrepreneurial story that inspired you like this one today. Finally, I really like the name Thoughts and Process Coffee, which was inspired by Mateo's live journal blog. I have a lot of thoughts about coffee, and about the state of the world, and about my own future in the coffee industry, but I don't always, okay, rarely, give myself the time to process those thoughts. What better than over a cup of Mateo's coffee? Head to thoughtsandprocesscoffee.com to order Mateo's roasted-to-order coffees, or link to his Instagram page. You'll also find links to those on RoastWestCoast.com, which is where you can and should subscribe to the newsletter that accompanies this podcast. I'll email you every episode with details on the show, more coffee information, links to our sponsors and to our guests. And if you sign up for a paid subscription, you can also access the Bean Journal, featuring coffee roasters from up and down the West Coast and beyond. Thanks to Matteo for being so willing to share his story and for being the one to reach out to me. He made my job hosting and producing this show easy. The next show is the last of Season 5, and it features coffee consultant Lily Kiros. That episode, and all 100-plus episodes of this show, are brought to you with support from my roast industry partners, including Zumbar Coffee & Tea, Moster Coffee Company, Steady State Coffee Roasting, Camp Coffee Company, Ignite Coffee Company, Ascend Roasters, Coffee Cycle Roasting, First Light Whiskey, Morea Coffee, Cape Horn Coffee Importers, and Cafe La Terre. Links to those companies are on RoastWestCoast.com, and I'm always sharing and reposting their social media on the Roast West Coast Instagram. This episode of the Roast West Coast Coffee Podcast is, was, has been written, produced, and recorded by me, Ryan Wolt, not from the closet, but from the basement, and I hope this show has found you happy, healthy, and with at least enough sanity to make it through the day. For those of you headed out for a cup of coffee this week, 
please always tip your baristas and be sure to drink good coffee. Happy 70th birthday, Polly. Hey everyone, don't forget to use that promo code RWC using capital letters on thoughtsandprocess.com. You'll get 15% off your first order, and I've got the link on roastwestcoast.com and in this podcast episode's show notes. I like beer. Hey everyone, if you like the Roast West Coast Coffee Podcast, you might also appreciate the I Like Beer the Podcast. Listening to these guys is like being a fly on the wall of the pub with a few of your favorite mates having a pint. These professional beer appreciators have plenty of stories to share on everything from the mating habits of penguins to their behind-the-scenes brewery experiences. Check out the I Like Beer the Podcast wherever you are listening to this show about coffee or head to ilikebeerthepodcast.com.